Well, thank you, North Greenville. Joyful sound. If you'd like to take a piece of North Greenville home with you today, you can. They'll go with you. No, they are not. They're going back to school. They will have some CDs and download cards available in the lobby after the service. I encourage you to open your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 15. If you've been here all summer, or if you, especially if you skipped the last couple of weeks, you thought, Wasn't we in, weren't we in Galatians? <laughs> we finished Galatians a few weeks ago. We backed up into John just to look at this upper room discourse. We've looked at this the last couple of weeks. From chapter 13 to 17 of John, Jesus has some intimate moments with his disciples. And that's what I want to look at briefly. I know some of you are nervous. You're looking at your clock saying it's already after 11. Uh, the food's going to be ready at 1130, so i got to hurry. So don't panic. But Jesus spent some intimate moments teaching his disciples. And think about the importance of what he's saying because he realizes this is kind of the last word that I have with these group, this group of men now down to 11 because Judas has already left by this time to prepare the betrayal of Christ. And now he's down to 11 disciples. It's important. And it's important to know, too, the author of this book is John. Well, John was there. So we hear from John's own testimony, just 11 verses that we're going to look at today. Let me just read it. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. Did you catch there's a word that's mentioned several times in that passage? In fact, ten times in just a few verses. It's the word abide. thought about that this week, and I thought about illustrating how to stay connected. I grew up in a home that had an artificial Christmas tree. How many artificial Christmas treeers do we have here? All right. My wife grew up in a home that had a live Christmas tree. How many live Christmas treeers here? I want to submit to you the tree that you bring into your house every Christmas is no longer alive. <laughs> because if it was, you would keep it from year to year. They give you little packets to mix with water, right? I've also heard home remedy. Put some Sprite in it or Sundrop, if you know what that is. 
and it will make it last longer. The problem is this. As soon as they cut that tree, that tree is dying. It's been severed from its roots. It was alive. If you cut it down, you could say we got a live tree. And I've done that. I've gone to the mountains of North Carolina and cut my own tree down. That's a lot of fun when you've got four kids. <laughs> Daddy, we want this one. Well, once you start cutting, you better stick with what you've gone with. No, this one looks better. I mean, it could take an hour walking those mountains of like Spruce Pines, North Carolina, trying to figure out what tree you're going to drag home from the mountain. You know what? They'll bring them from the mountain to you. They have them at places like Home Depot and Lowe's. And they announce live Christmas trees. No, they're not. Why? Because they've been cut off. And then they'll even do this. They'll cut like an extra inch at the bottom of the tree once you get it in the hopes that it'll make it stay green a little longer. One of my favorite things to do after Christmas, you know, a couple of weeks after Christmas, you ever lit one of those puppies? <laughs> my kids were inside one day, and they could see me out at our fire pit, and here I come dragging. It had been a couple of months. I dragged this tree over to put it on the fire pit, and it's, I just threw the whole thing on there. It went up. I'm pretty sure the International Space Station saw a glow coming from our backyard. My son looked at his mom and his brothers and sisters and said, I don't think that went like he planned. I mean, it singed all the hair off of me. I'm Seriously, see that? Never came back. The point is this. That tree is not any more alive than you are if you don't stay connected to the vine. That Christmas tree is in the process of dying. If you never connect to Christ, you're dying. There's no life in you. And so that's what Jesus is trying to convince the disciples of. That's what his point is. He starts off with this I am statement. In fact, there's seven of them in the Gospel of John where he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. We looked at last week, and we just sang, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. The last of these seven I am statements is, Jesus says, I am the vine. It's important for you to understand, the vine was a symbol of Israel's nationality from the Old Testament until today. If you visit the Holy Land, you will see vine branches on Things like coins and signs in Israel. It was a sign of nationality for them. And Jesus is a pretty audacious statement. All the references to vineyards in the Old Testament, Jesus is standing up in front of his disciples and saying, everything you've ever learned about the vine, I'm it. I'm the fulfillment of the true vine. And so Jesus is going to unpack that a little bit with his disciples to say, I'm the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Viticulturalist is what it's called. I won't try to say that again. Look it up. What does that mean? That means there's a, a vine grower, a grape grower that would go in and till up the soil and plant the, the vines. And he would take care of them. And when little suckers would come off that weren't going to be, make the vineyard productive, he would take those away. And he would protect it. In fact, in Isaiah 5, we see this song of the vineyard where 
God is singing to His people and saying, I have built a watchtower to keep the foxes and predators out of the vineyard. I did everything that was essential for this vineyard to produce grapes. In fact, He says, what more could I have done? And yet, you're fruitless. So Jesus says, I'm the vine. My Father is the vine dresser. You are the branches. As a Christian... You've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are now connected to Christ. He is the source of your life in every way. You cannot operate independently because you'll mess up. And then he mentions the result of not abiding. He says, every branch that doesn't abide in me, that doesn't bear fruit, he takes it away. You and I may miss the significance of what he's saying to his disciples, but Judas has just been there. And Judas has already left by this time to do what? To go and betray Christ. He had looked from the outside like he had been attached to the vine, but he wasn't. And he was been taken away. His death ultimately would occur shortly. And if anyone does not abide in me, verse 6, He's thrown away as a branch. And it dries up, it shrivels, it parches. And they gather them and they cast them into the fire. A branch that's not connected to the vine is good for one purpose, and that is just fuel to be burned, to be consumed in a fire. Well, what would cause people to not want to connect? Because ultimately, if you're not connected, you're lost. You'll spend eternity separated from God. But I've even watched Christians sometimes who, who almost, at least by practice, have disconnected. Here's the good news. If you're a believer and you start trying to disconnect, God loves you enough to discipline you and bring you back. If you're not a believer, you can try to act like you're producing fruit. But if you're not connected to the vine, you're like an ornament on a Christmas tree. It didn't grow naturally. It's just been kind of placed there, and it's fruitless. I thought about reasons why. There's some people that just have this attitude. They just don't believe God. They're faithless. They're disbelieving. Others are rebellious. They just don't want to obey God. They hear Jesus say, come to me, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, and I'll give you salvation. I've died on the cross for you. They've heard that sermon. You've sat in churches. You've heard preachers, teachers Friends tell you Jesus is the only way. And you're like, ain't good enough for me. Had a guy sit in my office a few years ago, talked to him about his walk with Christ, and he basically said, you know what, I'm just a pretty good person. Well, isn't that special? So so you've never sinned. Well, I didn't say that. (laughs) Then how are you going to face God someday with even one sin? You're separated from Christ. Or some just don't think God's good. They think something else looks better. That goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God told them, you can eat of the fruit of any of these trees, just don't eat of this fruit of this tree. And what does Satan do? Satan comes, gets in Eve's ear, and says, God's holding out on you. He's not really good. He knows as soon as you eat of that, you're going to be like him. And so what do they do? They eat. She gives it to her husband, who is standing where? He wasn't off playing golf or fishing. He was right there. So they didn't believe that God was good. Fourth thing, 
They thought somehow they could do it themselves. I'm, I'm, I'm just independent. I can fix this myself. Nowhere in the Bible is fruit just superficial behavior. You can't produce fruit yourself. And really, that's good news. It's good news to know that the branch produces fruit because it's attached to the vine. You will not ever see a branch going, <laughs> But I see some people trying to live their life that way. I don't need Jesus. I can, I'm a good person. What does the Bible say? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But the good news is, Jesus Christ died so I don't have to die. I can live forever with Him. And so lastly, what's the results of abiding? The blessing of abiding. What does Jesus say? Second part of chapter of verse 2 of the chapter, He says, Every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it. I want you to think about that for a minute. Have you ever pruned a tree, a bush? It looks painful. If trees could scream, if bushes could scream, they'd probably say what? Ouch! Why are you doing that? And God pruning you at times from the outside looks like it would cause pain. And sometimes it does, but it's never hurtful. Why does God prune you? He prunes you so you'll bear more fruit. He doesn't prune you because you're not bearing fruit. If you prune bushes in your yard, it's so that they will produce more. And so it's actually good news. It's painful but never hurtful. And I want you to hear this. Pruning is not always caused by sin. It's not because you messed up sometimes that God prunes you. It just allows more fruit. And our natural selves want to avoid that. If you see the pruning fork coming, you're going to go, whoa. Or run if you could. But it is essential to remain the most fruitful. So it's really good news when Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, the Father's the vine dresser. And when God prunes you, the cool thing about when you're pruning something, your hands are as close as you can get to what it is you're pruning. So when God prunes you, it's very personal. doesn't prune any two people just alike. He prunes you so that you can produce more fruit. And then he looks at his disciples and says, you're already clean. In fact, the root word for clean is the exact same root word for prune. And what he's saying is, you've already been pruned. You're clean. Why? Because of the word that I've spoken to you. The pruning knife is the word of God. And what did these disciples have the opportunity to do for three years? They had heard Jesus teach. They had heard Jesus answer some of their questions. They had even heard Jesus rebuke them. They were being pruned. You're already clean because of the word which I spoken, have spoken to you. In fact, John 13.10 says, you're clean, but he says, not all of you. Who's he talking about? Judas. He's speaking at this point to the twelve, not all of you are clean. Not all of you have become followers of Christ. One of you is the devil or a devil. And then this great word, abide in me and I in you. That's this Jesus who loved his disciples enough to die for them. They didn't know exactly what was coming. They would know later. But Jesus is simply saying abide. What does the word abide mean? It means remain in a fixed position of rest. Something that remains where it is. 
Jesus is saying, don't go anywhere. Stay with me. Abide in me. And here's the good news. And I in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. A reminder, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I want you to say that together with me. Apart from me, you can do, and I want you to say it this way, nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The reason I wanted you to hear it said that way, first pastor of the chapel, Hal Norton, had a favorite thing he liked to do with people. He actually did it with some of our staff a few years ago. Hal died in, in 2010. But he would take them to the cemetery over here in Merle's Inlet. He said, there's a tombstone. That if you walk up to that tombstone and you say, what are you doing? It will say nothing. So he'd take some poor, unsuspecting staff member over there. They'd get out of the car. They'd walk up to the tombstone and go, what are you doing? He said, no, 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 louder. What are you doing? No, it's got to be louder. They would sit there hollering, finally get frustrated, get back in the car and say, it didn't work. He said, what do you mean? I said, what are you doing? And, and how would say, so what did it say? It said nothing. <laughs> you can do nothing apart from Christ. The most frustrated person on the planet is people who try to live what they think is the Christian life, but they've never come to faith in Jesus. And I would hate for you to ever try that and leave thinking, well, that didn't work. It was never intended to work. If you could live the Christian life apart from Jesus, He didn't have to come and die on the cross for you. We are absolutely dependent on Him just the way a branch is dependent on the vine. Apart from Him, you can do nothing. And then He gives two of these if statements. If you abide in Me, and my words abide in you. And he uses a little different word for the word word here. But this indicates if those individual utterances that end up making up the logos of what I've told you abide in you, then ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. Jesus had taught on that before. He had offered them the opportunity to ask what you wish. And some people take that and run with it and think, well, I want a Cadillac. And so you order a prayer cloth from some preacher off the internet or TV, there's actually one guy in Texas that would send you a full-size cutout of him. So since he couldn't be there to anoint you himself, he sent a cutout of him. You just kind of got close to that. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What's he talking about? Answer prayer is prayer offered in his name. It's an opportunity for abiders, those who are abiding in Christ. And it's because of Christ's word in you. The Bible says, ask whatever you ask, and God will give you the desires of your heart. Some people think that, well, I desire a trip to Hawaii. And that may be good. But here's the cool thing about God. The closer I get to God, he changes my desires. And the desires of my heart more now naturally line up with him. So when I'm asking him for stuff, it's stuff he already wanted to give me. So Jesus says, if... And then he says this, My Father is glorified in this. The bright light shines off you and onto the Father when you do what? Bear much fruit. And what are we talking about fruit? 
Some people think, well, it, it only means, I guess it just means I've got to go share Christ with a bunch of people and they come to faith. That's part of it. But we just finished Galatians here at the chapel. Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's the Spirit working in you. You're the branch attached to the vine. This is going to be a natural byproduct of this, and it doesn't require you to go, what does it require you to do? Remain in the vine. The branch attached to the vine bears much fruit, and it doesn't glorify you. It glorifies the Father. Just as as my Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. Then the last if. If you keep my commandments. Literally to guard by keeping your eye on. And what commandments is he talking about? Not just the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. He just gave them a commandment. And that is abide. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments. And abide in his love. And then last. These things I've spoken to you. Why? So that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. Does that sound like something unpleasant? No, that's a good thing. Jesus is saying, you want joy? You want my joy? Abide in me. Keep my commandments. Stay attached to the vine. That is where you will be the most safe and secure, and that is where you're going to experience the most joy. It's an abundance of joy. Let my joy be in you. Don't seek out the world's happiness because it is fleeting and circumstantial. The joy of God is the presence of God in your life. Let's pray together. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the command to abide, which is such a great promise and offer that as I abide in you and you abide in me, fruit's going to be produced. There's going to be times in my life that you come and snip or cut through your word to make me more like you. And it's because of that that more fruit can be produced. So, Lord, I pray for men and women, young people in this auditorium this morning that have trusted you as their Lord and Savior, that they would rest in the opportunity of abiding, remaining with you. God, if there's someone here who has never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray today would be that call from you to come abide with me. Thank you for that truth in Christ's name.